Alright, you took about six years of Spanish. Sing along. You know the song. It's the Spanish thriller, and that uh, that fits. Can you do the dance, though? I can, but it's all in my head. <laughs> it's a lot better that way. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we are live from the Gateway Film Center. Yay! Woo! The heart of the Ohio State campus, Columbus, Ohio. This is Fright Club Live, and we are going to count down our... Oh, it's, you know what? It's fuzzy math it's this fuzzy week, math. is it not? It is. Now we love the fuzzy math. It's top Because it six. wasn't just one country. It was Spanish language the globe right, over. Right, right. And I'm, I'm not made of stone. I'm not great about geography, but that includes more than just one country. It does. So. It does. Uh, top six, top five, Spanish language horror films. Correct. And then we are going to cap it off. Uh, at the conclusion of this taping by watching one of them. That's and correct. it's going to be a good one. So uh, first off, uh, real quick, last week we had a lot of fun uh, with uh, Takashi Miike. Takashi Miike. And actually a lot of comments from the crowd here, especially Charlie and uh, Megan talking about how we introduced a few they haven't seen, so they got to... Well, he has 86. I know. 86. Which is so crazy. So there probably are a few you haven't seen. Yeah, and they are all, as we said last week many times, batshit crazy. Oh, my God. So uh, thanks And it's for- something I think, I mean, I sort of, you know, you know it. Like, yeah, his movies are weird until you sort of consider all of them just by themselves in a big block, and you're like, Jesus! Issues. He yeah, has issues. Exactly. So uh, that's just the first... Um, one where we de- dedicated the whole podcast to one director, but we'll have more coming up. Thank you for the, uh, the comments about last week and for the uh, suggestions for further uh, further podcasts. You can always keep those coming to uh, Mad Wolf on Twitter at M A D D W O L F. So let's get rocking. Since we've got the top six to top five, uh, yeah, we've we got to get on it. Get through them. And uh, at number six, Wait, yes, I want to say one thing. Say it. Um, so the the film Time Crimes and the film Pan's Labyrinth, brilliant, brilliant movies. They're not horror movies. They're not going to be on this list. Just want to get the disappointment out of the way right now. Way to bring down the room. <laughs> so can we go with number six now? Are we ready? At number six, Juan of the Dead. So this is our only film from Cuba. This is going to be the only Cuban movie that we talk about today. And it's awesome. And uh, what, one of the things I love about it is it's like profoundly Cuban. Um, but uh, it's also, I, I think that if you name your film Juan of the Dead, that's cojones right there because you're automatically begging comparison to three of the greatest zombie movies ever made, both Dawn's and Shaun of the Dead. And it, it lives up to it in a big way. It's hilarious. It's unique and interesting. Um, it's got animation. It's got, you know, Juan, who is a big giant slacker, all of his weird outcast friends and and... There's a trivia question that I'm going to not give away right now. Uh, well, well you, you talked about it being kind of sort of uniquely Cuban. Uh, one of the things that uh, the director uh, has said that kind of the, uh, the, the English-speaking character's secret plan, at least in his mind, was to steal the yacht that Fidel Castro used to sail to Cuba from his exile in Mexico and then sail that off the island. That's, that's what the director's in his mind in making the movie that was the secret plan that the english speaking characters had you can't get more cuban than fidel castro no you really can't and i love the ending of the movie i think the ending of the movie is so incredibly true to the characters in the movie you know and it's touching but it's funny and it's gory at the same time um and i just it was you know it's hard to do a zombie movie in a fresh way and this was a completely fresh take on it i i think there's an undercurrent of as, as there are in most zombie movies, social commentary oh, absolutely. from a uniquely 
Cuban yes. dissident yeah. perspective. It's it's a, it's a, it, the whole film is just a political satire. Uh, just you know, poking a finger at Cuba from actual Cubans, filmed in Cuba, written by Cubans. It's and it's it's really hilarious. And one of the things, one of the characters I like the best, he's the one big burly. You think he would be able to kill some zombies guy, and he faints at the sight of blood. So they blindfold him so he fights zombies blindfolded the entire time <laughs> it's very funny it's just very sweet yeah and and you alluded to this the title one of the dead when you hear that after Shaun of the dead at least for me it sounds a little bit cheesy like oh this is going to be good you know but it really holds up it holds yeah, it totally up does. so well yeah, it totally does it's 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 definitely a, a film that's good enough to be sort of in the same canon as both Dawn, dawns of the dead and also um Shaun of the dead it absolutely does yeah very much so so top six at number six in our top six top five is a one of the dead and trivia we question. have a trivia question a for a fabulous prize in the film one of the dead they never say zombie what do they call them Capital dissidents. Yes, capitalist dissidents. That's correct. Nice. <laughs> Carol Merrill, get that man a fabulous prize. All right, that's number six, One of the Dead. Moving on up, now we're in the real top five. And number five is from 2001, The Devil's Backbone. This one, we were talking about uh, Pan's Labyrinth earlier, and it's funny because in interviews, Guillermo del Toro has said that he considers this to be a sibling movie uh, to Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, I think so, because um, it's told from the point of view of a child who's, who's kind of torn. It's, it's set in uh, Spain's Civil War, at the end of Spain's Civil War. In The Devil's Backbone, you know, uh, he's an orphan, and he's, and he's taken to an orphanage. The orphanage itself is run by people who sided with the wrong side in the Civil War. And so they realize that nobody's going to help them anymore. They're not going to be able to care for these children who are all war orphans anyway. So, so the little boy is kind of trapped because he has other problems that nobody is helping him with. There's a bully. There's a psychotic handyman. There's a ghost. And it's really beautiful. And one of the things that I think is so lovely about this is that War and politics and adulthood and religion and ghost stories, they all make exactly the same amount of sense to a child. They're all exactly as logical and illogical to a child. And I think that's one of the reasons that the film, the atmosphere is so perfect in this because none of it is right to the kids. None of it makes any more sense than anything else, which makes everything just exactly as realistic to them. So the ghost is just something they accept because just as much as they accepted the fact that they live here now, how can they possibly live here now? Or that this this handyman is just going to, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really beautiful in, in a very similar way, I think, as Pan's Labyrinth. And it's visually beautiful. It's, it's just these muted browns out in the desert. It's just the, sort of this image of just dryness and decay. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And this one was apparently over 15 years uh, in development for Del Toro. And he included, I think, a pretty obvious uh, homage, I guess, Longtime veteran of of uh, Spanish language horror, Paul Nashi, is that, is that he, how you yes. pronounce it? Yeah, he well, came his, up, his came give, up on Facebook his, today. Yeah, he, he came up. Uh, we were talking about this on Facebook. Uh, his given name, his birth name is Jacinto, uh, which is the character name in in this. And and uh, Paul Nashi grew up during the Spanish Civil War, so I think there's a lot of throwback to uh, not only the history of Spanish language and Spanish language horror films, uh, but to that actor and that uh, filmmaker in particular. Yeah, I'm sure because he he starred in and he I mean he he directed probably 15 or 20 Spanish language horror movies. He probably starred in 75. So there's probably no doubt that Del Toro grew up watching him in films. They exactly. Have, yeah. And and one of the interesting things too I think about this movie and and 
is the use of the um, blurred photograph where um, he says at one point, in his, I'm, that's me in this photograph. You, it's blurry, but I know it's me. Yeah. And then the doctor later says how ghosts are like blurred photographs, which is a, a nice callback and a nice kind of a, a creepy way in, into the ghost story. Well, and the, I think that the, the ghost, what the ghost looks like this movie is spectacular. Did anybody see, how many of you guys saw Crimson Peak? But when Tom Hiddleston at the end, I don't want to give anything away. I'm not saying he's a ghost. At the end, when Tom Hiddleston, he, right, he looks like the ghost in, in, in this, not that he is one, you know, like this blood like floats off him, you know, and I remember, th- like I'd forgotten for a second that it was a Del Toro movie. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. But also, why is it floating? He's not underwater. He didn't drown at all. But that's just me. I've well, given away the entire end of that. No, movie. no, I don't think anybody picked that up at all. Um, but <laughs> apparently, though, um, Del Toro was inspired, in, 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 at least in this movie, for the look of the ghosts from Japanese horror. From, I can totally see yeah, that, yeah. They can, do ghosts really well. They do ghosts really well. But so does, so does Del Toro. Yeah. We have a trivia question about the devil's backbone. So, um, Silver Fox, Frederico Lupi, he plays a doctor in uh, Devil's Backbone. He stars, he's the lead in another Guillermo del Toro horror film. What is it? Red Hat? Kronos. Nice. Nice. All right. Knowledgeable in the audience. We love that. Moving up to uh, number four on our list. This one is from 2007. It's Wreck. Of course, this one became known to American audiences by the remake of Quarantine. Which was great, actually. I, I was enjoyed actually it. I enjoyed it very much. One of the rare, I think, American remakes that is, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's different enough that it's interesting to watch. Uh, they're both great. Yeah, they are. But I think this one gives more overall background info on the entire story. It does. One of the things I like about Quarantine is that it's really very bare bones. So it's really just like a big fun house that you're stuck inside. And this one, yeah, it does. It, there's more character development. There's a little bit more background as to what's going on. Yeah, and the interesting note, the uh, filmmakers decided actually after 9-11 to uh, make it firemen. Uh, originally, it was not to be firemen. They, were, they thought after 9-11, firemen got such, such respect around the world that they changed the film to include, uh, to include firemen uh, coming on the scene. This is one of the few found footage movies that doesn't drive me crazy. <laughs> um, because, you know, it, like the whole, like, film everything, you know, like, because we're totally news people, just keep filming, and we're, you know, we're so on the edge. Like, I totally bought it, and then eventually the lights are cut, and I can't see anything. And so the, the point of view character, who you never get to see, which I also really like. I mean, yeah. you, you get to see him just very briefly. It makes sense that he, because it's the only way he can see. So, um, I, you know, I think... Um, the, the lack of integrity in found footage films drives me insane. But it's <laughs> I don't very, think you're the only one. No, no I don't think not so. Not at all. Um, um, but yeah, I think they do a fine job of it here. And um, the claustrophobia, the, the, the feeling of being trapped, I think is really like, profound in this movie. And again, it does have like a, like a funhouse feel. It's like, ooh, what's in this door? Ah! Mouth foam, <laughs> run! Um, it does. And I, I think one of the things that they also did, the filmmakers did very wisely, and it, and it shows, they filmed the entire thing chronologically. Uh, they filmed it all on location and all chronologically, which you can tell, especially for a movie like this, why that would be important. Yeah. Yeah, claustrophobic is an important part of it, but it is. It's got that fun angle to yeah, it, if, it, if it, it can be as bloody of, as it is and yeah. fun. Yeah, it's sort of that boo element. Yeah, know? very much so. Yeah, I, it, it is. I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a weird thing to say about a movie where there's such, so much carnage, but it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Yeah, and they ended up with... And we'll be spoiling too much. We talk about the differences between the uh, the endings in uh, the American version and this version. I don't think. Have so we either. all seen it? 
Okay. Don't want to tell someone that someone's a ghost when they're not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston totally survives that movie. He totally survives it. <laughs> In the first one, this is more of an evil, an evil entity, just or Satan. That was the trivia question. I told you what the trivia question is, and you just gave it away. As you, as you can tell, we don't always plan these out as well as we'd like to. No, actually, it's kind of funny. So quarantine, uh, quarantine, it was like a rabies virus. And I thought that that worked quite well. You know, uh, it was, you know, and then uh, Rack, which is a, a film filmed in Spain. It's a very, very Catholic nation. And, and that was, it was the devil virus. That's what it was, which is weird um, and kind of cool in a, in a weird way. I mean, I thought the scientific version uh, made more sense. Uh, but then again, the uh, quarantine sequels just full out sucked. Whereas the Rex sequels didn't exactly suck. The second one, you know, it, it, it makes more of the whole Satan virus background. You know, the oh, third, you just gave it away. The third one. The third one, we're inexplicably at somebody's wedding reception. Like, I don't know why that is, but it was sort of cool to see, you know, like the bride, like a kick out. Because what is scarier than bride? Nothing. <laughs> not, even a, not even a Satan zombie. <laughs> Brides are the scariest things on earth. And then, and then the last one, they're on a ship, which was also very claustrophobic and weird and creepy. So, I mean, the, you, know, there's, you know, the law of diminishing returns, they definitely obey that law. Sure. But still, I think that the entire Rex series is worth watching. It's kind of fun. Yeah, and found footage has become such a, an easy whipping boy over the years, with good reason. But I this, whip it. Yeah, you <laughs> whip it good. But this one does pretty much hold up. And let me just try to pull out a trivia question off the top of my head, off the top right. of my head to okay. make up. Um, the final girl, the girl at the very last scene in, in quarantine, not this one, in quarantine. Remember who that actress' name was? Jennifer Carpenter. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it Jennifer is. Jennifer Carpenter. See? I had that trivia question in my back pocket the whole time. You want Mad Max? All right. Oh, no, uh, Red Hat didn't get a chance at Mad Max. Oh, but he had. All right, no. Okay, okay he's going to buy right. it, so that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and his name isn't Red Hat. What's your, what's your name? Sean. <laughs> oh, nice. Hello, Colossal, Colossal Bandit. Bandit. Yay. You know, I loved your first couple of albums after that. <laughs> Colossal Bandit in the house. Woo. Nice. All right, we are up to number three in our top six, top five Spanish language horror. It's The Skin I Live In. Yeah, The Skin I Live In. I love this movie so much. I remember when it came out, I, I was reviewing, back when the, the paper was still out, we were writing for the paper. Um, I saw it first, and, uh, I came, and I wanted her to see it so badly because I wanted to talk about it. You know, and I couldn't say anything like Tom Hiddleston is a ghost. <laughs> to uh, I was waiting. Come on in to uh, give anything away uh, because there's so much going on here, both both on the service and below the service. Plus, it has one of my very favorite final scenes of the last I don't know how many yeah. how many years. That yeah. scene in the dress shop there at the end just killed me. Uh, and we like Almodovar anyway. And um, you know, Banderas is as good as really he's. Ever yeah, been, ever. It's probably I, I think it's probably his 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 greatest role, his finest performance. And um, uh, the movie. I mean, uh, whenever you have somebody uh, Pedro Almodovar, somebody that great who's doing a horror movie, it's always just exciting to see what they have to do, um, what they have to say. And I think that this is just a beautiful movie. And it reminds me a lot of a French film that we both love, um, Eyes Without a Face. Yeah, um, lots. Yeah. It's, it, you know, a lot of similarities I think to that film. Um, 
And there's just so, like, you know if you watch a Coen Brothers movie and, like, you just want to take in every single thing that's in the frame because, you know, it's all there for a reason. Like, there's a reason for yes. it. It's all because they're so much smarter than you. Like, this <laughs> is just, I got to take it all in. I, I feel like that's exactly what this movie is like. Like, every frame is just magnificently put together and just gorgeously filmed. And, and, and I also think that even though Banderas is the villain, uh, all of the characters are so sympathetic mm-hmm. and weird. Like not Takashi Miike weird, but like, but like weird. <laughs> yeah, and there is so much going on, as you said. Every little thing in the frame. There are there are books uh, in the office that are show up in the credits that uh, they give an acknowledgement to because the books talk about things that are going on in the movie. Also, he's um, Doctor Lagarde uh, works on bonsai trees, which of course is is manipulating uh, you know the biology of the tree as they grow. And there's the the name of his his skin, which he calls Gal, mm. which for his his ex wife, but actually that is short for Galatea, which I guess in Roman mythology. George nerded up for this podcast. In Roman mythology, uh, Pygmalion fell in love with the statue that he made, okay. and that was her name. So I mean, like you said, there's so much going on, yeah, and also is. it has that you could tell from the from the the tiger uh, guy music. Well, the tiger, but you could tell from the music, it has that noir type of feeling you know that music if you weren't watching the, welcome come on, come on in that music if you weren't watching what was going on it sounded like it sounds like a noir type of thriller yeah which this movie has elements of that as well it really does but it, as you said it's it's beautiful to look at it's based on a book it's based on a story where the ending is very different which we're not going to go into we're not going to spoil anything yeah we don't really want to talk very much about no, this in not case just you have seen Hiddleston it effect, but I've, because a lot of people haven't seen it because it really is just a movie that you want to yeah, watch you just don't want to get spoiled at all because the ending is just just fantastic we got to move faster all right that's number three so, the skin i live in number two on the best spanish language horror it's the last circus two things i love off the top of my head they're dancing to a big poster of kojak <laughs> which i mean who hasn't done that and, and also, if I weren't, if I wasn't a clown, I'd be a murderer. Which I think, I think that's common. Because <laughs> everybody's creeped out by clowns. Yeah. And boy, this will give you the nightmares about clowns. Yes, Alex de la Iglesia, right? Total freak show, right? Uh, he's not like Takashi Miike weird, but he's like this close. He's like this far below. His movies are so wildly just fucked up. And um, and this is this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one of his films. Hi, welcome. So uh, and it starts off with this gorgeous like surreal black and white like history lesson, and then uh, and then it just it just veers off track. It, it, it's it's like a social commentary for a while. Then it kind of goes back to being a social commentary. But the little boy who's going to grow up to be like his father who died, you know, during the Civil War, is going to fill those clown shoes. I mean, it's so bizarre. It's so much fun. It is incredibly cool to look at. Yeah, and very quickly, just the, the, quick, the quick synopsis, the one clown is in love. He's in love with the wrong clown's woman. You know what else I, I love about this in, in a cheesy way? It, it features, you know what the Wilhelm scream is? That classic, it, the Wilhelm scream is all over that movie. I mean, multiple <laughs> times until you've heard it, and it's just that same thing over and over. And it's just, it's such a campy, but all the carnage that's going on, and then oh, yeah. you hear those Wilhelm and the, screams. And the face it's hilarious. ironing. Yikes. It's, um, oh my God, it's the greatest movie. It's such a great movie. And I got another tidbit for you. There's a, in the beginning, there's a, a still of the movie Cannibal Holocaust, and that in the opening credits. And that is because the actor that plays Manuel. Uh, dubbed 
one of the voices in, in, in the <laughs> Spanish version wow. of Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, my God. He's officially out-nerded me. <laughs> we knew it would happen eventually. Yeah, that was going to be our trivia question, but no. So, number two is The Last Circus, and we have a trivia question. Did I spoil it? No, you did not. So, um, uh, Alex de la Iglesia, you should see all of his movies. You should see all of his movies. Witching and Bitching, you should see The Baby's Room, uh, Day of the Beast. And then my other favorite one, which is not Spanish language, American language, or English language, excuse me, Perdita, Perdita Durango. So, Rosie Perez, Javier Bardem, James Gandolfini. It's weird in a bad way. So you're going to watch it and go, you're going to watch it and go, she recommended this. Oh, my God. I mean, and, and she's going to put it on Facebook. She's going to go, she recommended this. Oh, my God. It's really seriously perverse and wrong. But, I mean, Javier Bardem and Jen Scamsolfini, how you can't really go wrong there, seriously. But here's my trivia question. Perdita Durango is Rosie Perez's character, and she appears, that character appears in a David Lynch movie. Do you have any idea what one it is? Peanuts, you are dangerously cute. Wild at heart. That Woo! is correct. Wild at Heart is correct. Derek, well done. Get yourself a Fright Club t-shirt. That means we got one more. I think we know what it is. I think we know what it is. The one we're going to see here in just a few minutes. And that is from 2007, The Orphanage. Disappearance. A dark place. And the games children play. When they're alone in the dark. The Orphanage. In, in some circles, there's a bit of a argument of whether this even constitutes a horror movie. Uh, some people will... Well, t- that's insane. I'm not saying I'm one of them. There's ghosts? There's a kid with a bag on his head? I'm just, what is that? Good parenting? I'm just getting the conversation going. Obviously, I disagree, but yeah, it's very creepy. It looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, the kid... I remember when we saw the trailer, just the kid with a bag on his head. Just freaky. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I want to tell you... This, so we saw this movie here in this theater, and a woman passed out, and George... Jumped up, like two rows over, went to her aid. I swear to God, it's true. I think over I was, the years she's embellishing the I was story, reviewing but... it, so I was very busy and I couldn't be helpful. That's... I love this movie so much because... So there's a ton of horror movies that are sort of, is she crazy or is it really happening? And then usually they're sort of really short shrift one of the two storylines, but, but this doesn't. You're never entirely sure. Is she just nuts because... You know, it, she's she's under a lot of stress. Or is there really something, you know, like supernatural afoot? It's also a gorgeous movie. It's super spooky. Um, and this, the soundtrack and score, they're really um, spare. There's a lot of this lighthouse and this beautiful shadowy imagery. It's just such a gorgeous movie and incredibly creepy. And Belen Rueda, uh, who's the star, is magnificent. She's also really good in this movie called Julia's Eyes, if you haven't seen. It's kind of worth checking out. It's got... It's it's creepy. It's a very different kind of a film. Anyway, she's just always she's just always great, and she's particularly great in this film. Yeah, it, it looks fantastic. And a little bit of what we talked about last week with Takashi Miike. There's a lot going on here about is she nuts, and and this goes back and forth throughout the whole movie. And also, if you haven't seen it, look for uh, Guillermo del Toro. He turns up in the movie. He plays a doctor who tends to Laura's leg. So okay. look for he, he's going to turn up. So I've got, I've got one you do. for every movie. Oh, you know what? I actually do have one. But he doesn't direct. A lot of people think he directed this movie. He produced it. He actually presented it. He didn't really fully produce it. But um, um, J.A. Bayona directed it, who also did uh, The Others, which is a beautiful film, too. Another really spooky, beautiful, gorgeous movie. Yeah, so even if you have seen it, uh, if you haven't seen it on the big screen, you're going to find out it's definitely worth it. So we're going to have it here in just a couple of minutes. Thank you. You guys have been awesome. Uh, next month, uh, we're back here at the Gateway for Fright Club Live. Especially- Merry Christmas. Merry it's Christmas. Inside. It's inside. 
side. <laughs> Which is going to be great. As always, keep the conversation going with us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, Mad Wolf Columbus uh, on our Facebook page, uh, madwolf.com. Thank you again for, for coming out, and uh, let's have one big round for the Gateway Film Center. Yay! I'm Home Madden. I'm George Wolf. This is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay rightful, my friends. Ha, 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 ha,